worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is sponsored by Brooklyn Candle. Female owned and founded by Tamara Main in 2013, Brooklyn Candle offers luxury home fragrance products at an accessible price point. Everything is handmade in Brooklyn and the fragrances were all inspired by travel and nature moments and memories. Now they're also doing things responsibly. All of the candles are 100% soy wax, plant-based and renewable. All products are free from phthalates, parabens, sulfates, petroleum, and dyes, and the beautiful vessels, the jars that they come in, can be reused and repurposed. They also limit plastic in production and have none in shipping, so everything is clean and, like I said, they're doing things responsibly. My biggest thing, of course all of these things are important, is that when I walk into my room and the Santal diffuser hits me, I immediately feel more at peace and more at calm. Um, there's, there's just something about scent, especially that takes us to a different vibration, a different place. Um, so if you want to experience Brooklyn candle, head on over to brooklyncandlestudio.com and be sure to use my code motherhood20 to save. You are listening to the motherhood unstressed podcast, and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm so glad that you're here as always, and I'm honored to share this episode with you. I'm speaking with author Kelly Speck on her new book, Hope in the Heartache. Now in this book, Kelly is sharing how she navigates the challenges of being the matriarch of a five-person family while also caring for her special needs child who requires round-the-clock care. In this episode, we're talking about how one family not only survived, but thrived, and how they were driven by determination and their faith. So whether you have a child with special needs or you know someone who does, um, this is an important conversation because it translates to all of us mothers out there who are doing our best day in and day out. And um, I think the lessons that Kelly is sharing here today will resonate with you, especially if you've been feeling particularly stressed lately um, in the wake of world events um, and the uncertainty that seems to surround us. Um, But I think when we can hold fast to our our center, our inner being, our faith, um, we can do hard things, as Glennon Doyle says. And so um, I'm glad to share Kelly's work with you. I think um, it's definitely going to be uplifting. It certainly was for me. So please enjoy this episode with Kelly Speck. Well, hello, Kelly. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you so much for having me, Liz. It's truly an honor, and I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. Well, the honor is all ours, everyone tuning in. Um, We're here to talk about your amazing new book. It's a personal take on your story. It's called Hope in the Heartache, The Journey of Grace and Growth with a Special Needs Child. Can you take us through the premise of the book and why you felt um, the urge, the desire to share your story with the world? 
Sure. Thank you for this opportunity. Um, you know, Bennett is my, our oldest son. He is actually going to be 15 this August. He was born in August of 2007. He was our first um, child. And long story short, everything was running like clockwork. It was a full-term pregnancy. Um, and then the day he was born, it all turned out to be just a nightmare. He was born with lungs full of pneumonia, and that just sent us on a road of life support, near-death experiences throughout a 70-day NICU stay. And um, he was discharged with uh, cerebral palsy diagnosis, you know, and just a very, very, very complex, medically fragile child. So obviously, as first-time parents who we had 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 our baby showers, we had the car seat in the car, we had all the clothes washed and ready to bring home our baby. Um, we didn't bring him home for 70 days. And then when we did bring him home, he was um, just a screaming little banshee, bless his heart. You know, he who knows? He probably had a raging migraine headache and just sensory overload. And he was withdrawing from pain meds. And anyway, just baptism by fire into parenthood. And so, um, yeah, it's been a it's been a journey. And and my husband, Travis, and I um, thankfully had been married for like seven years before Bennett was born. So we had a pretty solid foundation. We were college sweethearts. We got married very young at like the ages of like 22. Um, and I'm grateful. We had we had a solid foundation as we headed into really um, as stressful as a parenting situation as one could imagine. And so we, since the after Bennett, had two other children. So um, we have a son, Jackson, who's 11, and our daughter, Reagan, who is nine. And um, anyway, heading, we live outside of Washington, D.C. now. Um, and, you know, obviously 2020, 2021 presented um, just extreme challenges to the whole world, and especially in the D.C. area. You know, there was a lot of fear a lot of anger politically. It was just like a pressure cooker living here. And um, in my gut, and usually I've got a pretty good gut gut feeling about things. I just felt like this world is feels like a dumpster fire and people need hope. Mm-hmm. And we, we have a story of hope. Does it have the quote unquote perfect ending, you know, tied up in a red bow? No, you know, but it actually is still a message of hope. And actually we still have joy actually after a lot of suffering, a lot of stress, a lot of, um, you know, we made plans and life turned out differently. And I think that um, a lot of people can relate to that. And obviously there's grief along with that. And, you know, we've just learned a lot of lessons along the way and our journey is not over. But when I reached out to a friend who actually worked for a publishing company immediately, I just, I sent a paragraph, which was basically um, kind of a climactic moment in the NICU with Bennett. And the owner of the publishing company said, keep writing. Cause I didn't even have a manuscript at that point. And that would have been end of 2020. And so all of 2021 we wrote and edited. And then, um, anyway, I'm just are so humbled at the opportunity to share our story with the world and the feedback has been incredible. And I think that was, we did, we wanted this book to be a support to parents of kids with disabilities. Obviously we love that community and we want to encourage cause they need encouragement. It's such an isolating life really at times, but, um, we also wanted anyone who's experienced pain, you know, to read this book and take something away from it. So if your life has been perfect with no pain so far, it's probably not the book for you. But if you have been through something hard or if you know someone or you're walking alongside a family member, a friend, um, we just hope that it's an encouragement. And and life is really hard. You know, we are we are not trying to be Pollyanna and like, here's how great it is, you know, to be have a child with severe disabilities. I mean, we definitely don't ever want to paint that toxic positivity or whatever that term is, but in the heart, there's still good and there's still joy. And, and there's wonderful people in this world who we've come across and we kind of highlight them throughout our book who we never would have met had it not been for Bennett, um, our, our special needs son. And so anyway, sorry to go on and on, but that's kind of, that was the background of why we wrote this book anyway. And, um, and, and it just released May 31st. So 
it's extremely exciting. (laughs) That is, that is, that's so exciting because it's so much of your, you know, an author can put out a book and it could be fictional or whatever, but this is your story. This is your, your story from the very beginning of when things really began for you, this whole new life um, with your son. And again, going back to, you know, I think all parents feel like when you become a new parent, it is, it is the hardest thing that, that you'll go through, you know, you're learning on the job as you go. And then you add this extra element to that. What was it specifically that got you and your husband through those early days when he was crying and he was going through all of these medical issues? Like, what did you grab onto that really helped you? Because I think any mom listening, whether your child has special needs or not, like we're all looking for something that's going to work for us. So what worked for you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think giving myself a lot of grace as well as my husband, because we both had our ups and downs. So as Bennett was screaming, if he was awake, he was screaming, you know, so we would change him, feed him, swaddle him. And he would still scream. There was nothing. He couldn't self-soothe. He couldn't suck his thumb. You know, he's very, very, very impaired in that way. And, you know, I just remember at times I would, and, and doctors told us it is okay to just lay him in his crib where he's safe as he's screaming and just step away, take 10 seconds, take 20 seconds, or just say to your spouse, Hey, I need a break. Can we switch? You know, and we did that, you know, and, and I remember at first being like, Oh my gosh, but I'm his mom. I should be able to soothe him. I, you know, but like, no, we were humans and we were, we didn't have nursing help. I mean, we were literally, and most moms don't, you know, you're figuring it out on your own. And I think just taking those quick timeouts of like, I need to take a deep breath, step outside, get some fresh air and come back in with the reset. Um, you know, and I also talk about, you know, in our book, we're very open about our faith and our faith has been a foundation for us. You know, my husband and I were both raised in homes where faith was important and we're so grateful for that. And, you know, I would just say, I remember um, when Ben was in the NICU and he was on the verge of death, we were literally would sleep with the cell phone next to our bed, just waiting for a phone call saying, come say goodbye. So we were just in this constant state of on edge, you know, and, and just, I remember laying in the, my, our bed in the dark of night, we had this like skylight with the moon shining in. And I just felt what I would say, God say, dig deep. Like you are going to have to dig deeper than you even knew was possible for you to function as a, as a, as a woman, as a wife, as a mom, as a, as a, as a person right now, this is going to take more than you ever knew you could do. And I did it, you know, I, I, I was equipped with it. And I think we, as women are so much stronger then we realize, you know, and, and I'm so grateful even back then, you know, I mean, it was 2007, I barely was texting. So there was no social media, there was no, which I think is really hard for women. Like if I was scrolling yeah. Instagram as Bennett was dying and seeing all of my other friends with their newborns, you know, snuggling and doing mommy groups. And I mean, that would have been so, my losses probably would have been so much happier. So I think now there are even more challenges for moms. But um, back then I just, I kind of, the way I deal with stress is just, I, I don't want a house full of people. I, I kind of just hunker down with my husband and got through one minute of one hour of one each day. And, um, you know, God gave us the strength that we needed. And we had a community of friends and family who wanted to help, but they didn't know what to do. No one had mm. ever been through this, this highly um, serious situation with a newborn baby fighting for his life. And so just texts along the way from people, we love you you're so strong. You can do this. You know, those things really meant a lot or, you know, or people just sending a gift card for a thousand dollars, you know, a bunch of friends in Texas sent us a gift card and just said, don't, we don't want you to even worry about eating. Like anytime you need food, use this Visa card and just things like that. Like we're such an encouragement and made us feel loved and supported 
when, cause there was nothing anyone could do. We, we, this baby was on death's doorstep and all we could do was take each minute at, at a time. And so, um, yeah, I think, I think knowing other people were, you know, with, in our corner and then just literally taking one hour at a time and not looking ahead. Cause looking ahead sometimes is too scary, you know, and mm-hmm. my husband, I'm more of an extrovert. My husband's more of an introvert so, and he's, I had to quit my job. I mean, I, you know, I had plans to get a nanny and who would hopefully teach him Spanish. And I would carry on with my career and my husband would carry on with his career. We were saving for our big house with a white picket fence. And, you know, all of that came to a screeching halt. I had to quit my job because I, no one could care for, I could barely care for him. I couldn't ask for a stranger. And so, you know, all of our plans took a U-turn and, um, and we couldn't look to the future. It was too scary. It was too overwhelming. It was too debilitating. It was too disappointing to think our life is going to be completely different than we envisioned it. You know, my husband's an athlete, you know, baseball, basketball, you name it. He played every sport. And we thought Bennett would be throwing the ball with him. And then we realized mm-hmm. he's not going to be. And just the losses and just allowing ourselves to feel those losses. And they they continue to be triggered through the years. It's not like you, you grieve and then you move on. You know, mm-hmm. kind of grief is cyclical and the craziest things um, sometimes still spur that on, but you know, having two more children who are extremely active, and um, we're, we're getting to just experience the fullness of life in a way that we didn't realize back in two thousand seven. Yeah, how different was it when you started? You know, your other two children, and you brought them into the family, and you, they were, you know, quote unquote normal. Was that hard? Did, did you feel like guilty when things would be going so right that you know you had to go through this first, and you know? I don't know. Was there a sense of guilt or, or anything like that coming up? Yeah, I wouldn't say necessarily guilt. I mean, that's a great question. And obviously siblings of kids with disabilities, it could be a whole nother podcast episode because it's very complex. Um, and obviously even the word special needs is such a vast term, you know, <laughs> cerebral palsy is so different than autism or down syndrome. So, you know, I never want to like speak for all uh, families in that way, but um, you know, I, I think we found out our second child was a boy and obviously come with come came with that. I never wanted Jackson our second, you know, I never wanted him to feel like he had to fill any void or be who Bennett couldn't be like, that was never his job, nor was it his job to take care of Bennett. You know, I just, all we wanted was for him to have a happy carefree childhood, you know, that he deserved. And so, um, he came out the healthiest, stoutest, most agile. He was bouncing a ball at, you know, nine months. I mean, it's, it, it was just hilarious in that way, but I feel like God did use that time, you know, of just like, we could just rock him to sleep and he would fall asleep without screaming. You know, um, he instantly obviously bonded so, so strongly to my husband and myself. And so, you know, I feel like he's, he has healed maybe crevices in our hearts mm-hmm. that it wasn't his job to heal. Um, yeah. but just that's the beauty of life. You know, I think sometimes in our suffering, um, really the greatest gifts come after that because it, it's kind of like you you didn't realize the ways that we were broken before Bennett was born. And then Bennett kind of tapped open and exposed, you know, my own selfishness, my own just like yuckiness. I mean, when you are a caregiver and someone is fully reliant on you for every single thing, I have learned like, oh my gosh, I'm such a mess. Like <laughs> I got to pull myself together and like, you know, and so, so really it's been refining of myself caring for Bennett. And then um, so anyway, I do talk about in the book also our baby girl, Reagan, um, who's nine now, at her 20-week ultrasound, um, 
So the funny thing was Bennett was four, Jackson was one, and then we, surprise, found out we were pregnant. So we knew we wanted a third, but it was probably a little sooner than we would have anticipated because Jackson was literally <laughs> one. So when she was born, we had three kids in diapers for like several years, which was just a joke. I mean, it was hilarious and a nightmare all in one. But um, at Reagan's 20-week ultrasound, um, we had one of those moments that many moms have had when the ultrasound technician says, huh, I'll be right back, you know, and left the room. And I just remember saying, seriously, God, like, seriously, like, mm-hmm. you're not going to give us any more issues. Like, haven't we already, you know, paid our dues? And um, basically, the, the doctor came in and said, you know what we're seeing? Um, basically, birth, a, birth defect, a birth defect that was significant, and there were possible genetic additional um, birth defects. And they just sent us to, to Children's Hospital for just more ultrasounds. And I, that was one of our hardest moments as parents, because we'd already been through the hell that we had been through of NICU, uh, Bennett's NICU and um, just the, the start to parenthood. And now our baby girl was for sure going to have to have surgeries um, right after birth. And it was devastating. I mean, I just remember dropping my husband off at work that day and I just said, everything's going to be okay. I know it. And he just looked at me like, you're crazy, you know, and mm. shut the door and went into work. And, and I mean, it was very, it was a blow. And, you know, I, we, we didn't lose our faith. I just remember saying, God, my feelings are really hurt right now. Like I, but I will keep trusting you because I have nowhere else to go. Like if I don't have my faith, I can't get out of bed in the morning. And so, Mm -hmm. um, long story short for 20 weeks, we didn't know the complexity. Her heart looked okay. Um, and we had to wait and see until she came out just how bad, or I don't even want to say how bad, how complex the situation was. And she was born. She chose to be born August 15th of 2012. Um, I had a C-section scheduled five days later, but if anyone who knows Reagan, (laughs) she's going to do things her way. And so she came five days early and um, it was the best case scenario. She's had three or four surgeries and we'll have a few more. But if you saw her, you would never know. She's the strongest, Mm -hmm. fiercest. My husband is 6'5", and she's probably going to be his twin. So I, she is just the most amazing young lady. And so... You know, parenthood for us has been, none of it has been easy or quote unquote typical, um, but we have learned so much along the way and really just, um, you know, I I think as parents, we, you know, come into parenthood with these expectations or these hopes and dreams. And what we have just learned from our kids is like, we take one day at a time, like, and really we are not trying to live vicariously through you. We are not trying to, you know have little mini versions of ourselves. Like we are just here to celebrate who you are. And mm. in the NICU, actually a nurse said, you know, Bennett is exactly the child God intended him to be. And she didn't even know us. I mean, she didn't even know if we were people of faith, but that's always mm. stuck with me because it's true. Like Bennett is exactly who he was intended to be. Jackson is Reagan is. Um, and we're just the blessed ones who get to be their parents and, and really experience um, the love and joy that they give us. And I love, I love, love, love that statement because I've said like things like that on this show before. I fully believe that, you know, I've, I've done float tanks where you kind of just go and you try to get into theta state, a really calm, relaxed state where you can kind of commune with the ether. And that was one of the biggest messages that came through to me in that moment was that we're really not here to control them, to own them, to do anything. We're here to protect them and to guide them and to lead them on their own path to, to, to why they're here. You know, I truly believe that. And I do believe that we have soul contracts with our children, with our close family units before we're born. And, you know, I could totally see why, you know, Bennett chose you as his mother, why he chose his father as his father, because, you know, even though it was incredibly hard and it still is today, you never gave up and you always held fast. And I think that you doing that and then sharing your story on a meta level, like that is, Everything that was supposed to happen, I think, has happened for a reason. I really do. 
Yeah, thank you for that. I completely agree. I don't think anything is a coincidence. And sometimes that's hard to accept. But um, but yeah, and I think acceptance for all of us mothers, right, is just a part of the journey, you know, accepting, wow, that did not go how I was expecting. Or wow, I can't believe she didn't like, I mean, I tell a story in the book of Reagan, you know, with Shirley Temple. She's blonde, curly hair. She walked around on her tippy toes. Everyone said, oh, she's like a little ballerina. And she looked like a little ballerina fluttering around. And I signed her up for ballet at age of three, ready to go. And that girl refused to go. She, she <laughs> wouldn't even get on. She, the, the, the teacher was like this Parisian beauty swan. She said, come, 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 Reagan, you know. And Reagan would just sit there and nod her head. And the girl is, is tougher than leather. And so I was like, She's not going to go. We went for like five weeks. And finally, because I'm so frugal, I'm like, if I pay for this class, you were going to go. You are going to go do some leaps. You know, all I'm asking you is do some leaps or do one plie. You're like, just please. No, she wasn't going to do it. You know, and I, it was such a defining and it's embarrassing, like, because I never saw myself as a dance mom, but whatever. I just was like, I cannot believe I cannot make you three-year-old go right. do a plie, you know? And it was such, it was such a free moment, really, because I was like, Kelly, get over yourself. Like she doesn't want to do ballet and that's okay. And it was okay. But I just, I, it was just that constant. Here's my, I should have already known, you know, I have Bennett who, you know, and it's just like, but I, I'm constantly learning and they're just changing us. And that's the thing, Bennett, he can't speak a word. You know, I haven't talked much about him, but he is nonverbal, you know, in a wheelchair, he can't sit, stand, walk or talk on his own. You know, he's, he's too bad. I mean, everything, you would, you know, society would say, what does he, you know, have to give? And it's, but at the same time, like you said, um, you know, from the moment he was born, laying in that NICU bay, you know, we would stare into his eyes and it was like, we saw his soul, you know, it's, mm-hmm. like, it's like, we have known him and he has known us so deeply, you know, it makes me cry thinking about, but, um, and he's just such a joy, you know, and he has the best belly giggle. Like, I mean, you, if you tickle him, he's going to give you the biggest belly laugh you've ever heard. And, and I've had friends say, I'm having such a bad day. Can I just come out come by and hang out with Bennett? When I'm around him, I just feel better. Mm-hmm. And they're not just saying that to be nice. Like, I think he's such a pure, pure, pure little soul who's really not tainted by this crazy world that we're living in. And there's something about that that's so peace-giving and, um, yeah. you know, I mean, my husband and I, it's just like, we, we laugh now. He's our easiest kid because he's just such a joy to be around. And he's never going to talk back. And he's never going <laughs> to give us an attitude. And all he's, he's just the, the definition of unconditional love. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's waiting, at, you know, he's usually sitting in his wheelchair at the end of our kitchen island amidst all the commotion of the coming and going of everybody else. And he's just waiting for you to, to lean over and give him a kiss on the cheek and he'll shoot you a big smile. You know, he, he's just such a love and such a joy. And everything that's really beautiful about life, even though he, you know, quote unquote, doesn't have anything to contribute to society. And so, you know, it's, it's a wild life and we are a hot mess express. If you entered our house, you'd be like, Oh my God. Cause it's nothing about this is normal or easy, but it's like so beautiful and in the heart. And I think that's just, if mm. we as, as people living right now in this crazy world, like it's not, it, nothing's ever going to be easy. Nothing's ever going to come, um, really without a price, but like, but it's worth it. And, you know, and it's, and, and life is beautiful. You know, if your loved ones are breathing, man, life is beautiful. And, and that's just kind Mm -hmm. of the constant reminder when our baby literally could not breathe. I mean, his lungs were full of pneumonia for weeks, like jelly. It was like a jelly. It would not go away. And, and, you know, it's like, it, it brought everything back. If, if your loved ones aren't breathing, nothing is okay. You know, the big house, perfectly decorated, nice car, matching kids in clothes. I mean, all of the things that I thought, you know, was, was, was important. None of that matters. And it was a great, 
lesson to learn at the age of almost 30, you know, because a lot of people it takes what till your 50s and 60s to like stop trying to keep up with the Jones or stop, you know, you know, going for the American dream or whatever, like none of that matters. And really we learned at the age of 30, none of that matters. You know, if yeah. our baby's about, to, if I, we have to plan a funeral for a baby, like, like my heart would have broken in a million pieces. And I don't know mm-hmm. that I would have been able to recover from that. And I know a lot of people do. And I have the ultimate respect for anyone um, who's lost a child in whatever way, because I think we were, we were knocking on that door. And I just remember thinking, how do you do this? You know, it, it's just, it, it's, it's all, rips you apart in ways you just didn't even know. So anyway, I just have the ultimate respect for so many parents out there. Yeah, man, that was beautiful. I mean, you said earlier that, you know, it's really your faith that gets you out of bed in the morning. Is there anything in particular, any psalm or prayer or just mantra that you say to yourself in the morning that reminds you to tune in to to connect with God and your faith? Yeah, that's a great, great, great question. I mean, <laughs> you're going to laugh because this sounds crazy, but at times, um, so I wish I were a morning person who like could get it. You know, there's so many moms who are like, I get up an hour before my kids. No, there aren't. <laughs> Cause I like to have quiet time with my coffee and read and meditate. You know, mm. I wish that were me. I am, I've never been a morning person. I probably never will be. I'm more of a night owl, which means I therefore get less sleep because it's like, if I'm going to get anything done in a quiet house, it's going to happen in between, you know, until like 12, 1, 2 AM. But then everyone still wakes up at you know seven and needs to be in school. And so um, I sometimes lay in bed, you know, when my alarm goes off and I know I have to get up and I feel like I've been hit by a truck and I, I would just say, God, I need supernatural strength. I, I, I need like strength that doesn't, I just, I need supernatural strength today. I'm so exhausted. And it's like, every time I ask for it, he gives it like, it, and it's just like, and it's, and I, I don't even know people are like, how do you do what you do? And I'm like, I literally have no idea except for I ask yeah. for like strength. I ask for wisdom and I ask for understanding. Um, and it really, you know, you don't have to do long, 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 complex prayers. I mean, you know, like when Reagan, we had her diagnosis for 20 weeks, I could not pray. You know, I, my heart was broken. I just thought my baby girl has to come out and have all these surgeries. And we've already been through this once, you know, and I just was like, Jesus, I trust you. Like, I don't get this. I don't understand my feelings are hurt, but I trust you. And I think just simple, whatever it is that you can say, a sentence, a word, you know, but wisdom, strength, and understanding are three things that I ask for regularly. And I feel like I receive them. Like it's, it's just, I have such a peace, you know, and, and it's not a manufactured piece and it's nothing yeah. that um, any self-help book has given me. Um, and so I am happy to share that with anyone. Um, our, our website is hopeintheheartache.com. And we actually have a page where you can reach out and either tell us your hope story, or if you, if you reach out and you just need encouragement, like, please reach out to us because our only hope for this book was to encourage people and, um, and to give, give some hope in a world that feels really dark at times. Oh, beautifully said. And I think that's exactly, that's exactly what you and this book are doing. Um, and everyone in your family who's contributed to it in their own way. Um, we are almost out of time, Kelly, if there were any lasting sentiment or anything that the listener could really hold on to from this interview. You've dropped so much amazing stuff. Like it's going to be hard to pick a clip, but um, what would that be? What do you want to really leave with the listener today? Yeah. I mean, I feel very passionate right now um, that every child, like we talked about is exactly who they were intended to be. And um, I think, you know, let's celebrate our kids and not project onto them um, what we're going through. Let children be children. Let children be keep their innocence, keep their joy, keep their wonder, keep their, um, 
just their purity. You know, I mean, just they're just the most precious little souls, and and, and they should be um, celebrated, you know, and protected and just honored. I just feel such a call to that. Um, and each my three children could not be more different. I mean, in terms of their needs, their personalities. Um, you know, just their hearts, but being in tune to their hearts, you know, my, my middle son, I always say he's my typical middle. He is, um, you know, he's, he has a lot of middle child tendencies, but he also has a lot of firstborn tendencies since his mm-hmm. older brother is not typical. And I swear it was at the age of five or six. It was one summer and it was like kind of a quiet, you know, boring summer day. And I didn't have anything planned. And he just said, I feel like I don't matter. <laughs> and I was mm-hmm. like, socked in the stomach. What do you mean? All we do is tell you all day, every day, how much we love you. And, you know, and, but, but clearly that wasn't working. You know, he, he, something was slipping by and and I was so grateful that he had the words to say that because I attempted to shift like what we were saying and doing. Um, and that continues to be a journey with him, but like just, you know, listening to their little hearts and, and what they say. I mean, kids are so perceptive. Yeah. They're really so smart. They're so, they're such a wise judge of character, really, in many ways. And I think just um, honoring them as much as we can and not just, um, I just feel like kids get it in a way that we know we give, give them not even enough credit. The same with Bennett. For a child who cannot speak, I swear to you, there have been, whether it be we're at a family function and some people are fighting or there's tension. I mean, he can pick up on the tension. I mean, and, mm-hmm. and usually that means he starts screaming because he's just like, get me out of here. I mean, yeah. his, he's either laughing, quiet or screaming. And, we, and that's his way of communicating. And, but I'm like, he literally picks up on the energy and kids are like barometers in that yes. way. And I think just honoring that. And like you said, protecting, um, I just feel like it's one of the most just biggest responsibilities we have, especially in this culture that we're living in right now. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's like every other day I'm thinking, like, should I be homeschooling my kids? Like, is now the time? I don't know. So I'm right there with you. Just just the energy right now, I feel like, is uh, it's pretty dicey. So as parents, you know, we are we are the ones with the wings over our children, and, and that's our calling. That's what we're supposed to do. Um, yeah. Even if we're a hot mess every day, which you would laugh because my which house is are. exactly the same. <laughs> But it's fleeting, right? I mean, yeah. like I look at my 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 Bennett's in high school. My Jackson is about to start middle school. You know, I mean, all the cliches, the days are long, the years are short. It's all true. Like it's yeah. all so true. And it is so fleeting. And I think I'm realizing that more and more. And so, but really, um, you know, those those years of when they're so little and, and everything is so kind of black or white and just love is really all that they need. You know, I think just... Um, I even wish I could go back and just snuggle them more and hug them more. And, and, you know, I just, because we were, we did have three kids in diapers and I was literally trying to keep everyone alive and fed and maybe shoes on their feet, maybe something that didn't even happen. And so, you know, it's just, but, you know, giving ourselves obviously tons of grace too. I mean, obviously that's in the title of our book because it's like, we're all just doing the best that we can, you know, and and Mm I, I, my husband and I can completely attest to that. Um, And we are very open in the book of mental health and, you know, you know, just like, it's not easy, you know, anxiety, Mm -hmm. depression, coping, unhealthy coping mechanisms are, have been a part of our journey. And we are very transparent with that for anyone who's dealt with addiction or anything like that in your families. Um, My husband talks about his journey and, and so all that to say, like, we have tried to do our best, but it, we have messed up along the way, you know, or not even messed up, just had our struggles. It, but yeah. I feel like, you know, continuing on the path of just, number one, divorce was not an option for my husband and I, and a lot of parents with kids with special needs 
it's like an 80 to 90% divorce yeah. rate. It's so stressful. And anyone watching this with a child with a disability can attest to that. Um, but thankfully that was never an op- Like we just kept, we would veer, we would, you know, we would be doing this. It's just like, do I even know you? But we kind of always came back to center and I'm just so grateful. But our story's not over. We don't even have teenagers yet. I mean, we have one teenager, but like we have so many hard years ahead and we fully recognize that. And maybe that'll be another book on another day. But um, <laughs> for now, we just are sharing Bennett's birth and kind of the beauty of his life up until age 15. <laughs> well, well, your story is a testament to holding fast and getting through it and digging deep to that supernatural strength that, you know, came to you. I'm so grateful that you had, you know, the calling to, to write this book and to show this book and that your friend, you know, that you connected and, and made this possible. Where can our listener, now that we've talked about the book, uh, get the book? And, uh, and I believe if they go to your website, they can contribute to the Jill House. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, I would love to. So um, our website is hopeintheheartache.com. You can get, you can pre-order the book there and you can get a signed copy sent to you this week. Um, you can also order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, anywhere you get books. Um, Kindle, I, someone just told me they read it on their Kindle. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and so we also talk in our book, Jill's House is um, a wonderful place that um, gives respite to families with kids with disabilities. I didn't even know what the word respite meant before we had that. <laughs> um, now I do know because it's such a gift. Basically, they say we want to love on these kids for a night, weekend. They, they'll have kids spend the night. So we, so Bennett goes quarterly and spends a weekend there, forty-eight hours, and they just say we want you as a family to go either spend time as a marriage, spend time with your typical kids, go on a, a hike by yourself if you just, you know, just basically do whatever you need to do. And we, we we're going to love on your kid here at Jill's house. And so it's been amazing. Jill's house is opening across the country. I think they have one in um, Seattle. Tennessee, Chicago, they're trying, it's, it's, there's such a need, so many families, you know, especially after COVID have been in such great isolation and just needing support and just needing a break. I mean, we're all human. Everyone needs a break. And so we love Jill's house and 10% of all of our book proceeds are going to them. We've partnered with them and we, um, yeah, we just can't say enough about the wonderful place that it is. And I think people from across the country are coming and visiting Jill's house and then trying to replicate that um, in other parts Mm. of the country. And so, um, yeah, you can go to their website and learn more jillshouse.org. But um, yeah, it's a wonderful, amazing um, just organization. And they, you don't have to be a Christian. They take all faiths, all races, all socioeconomic. They just say, let us love on your kids. And so that you guys can, you know, basically just either hopefully stay married, hopefully pour into your typical kids and just get some rest. So it's been awesome. Mm, that's amazing. That's amazing. See, everything is, I know. is coming together. It's meant to be. <laughs> yes, there are. There yeah. are. That's why I love doing this show, to have people like you on. Oh, well, thank you. I, I love telling about all the good people because I think, I mean, I really try not to be a cynic, but it's been hard not to, especially living right across the DC border, you know, I, and I'm just like, we have to focus on the good. Like there are good people. There are good, you know, humanity is good. And and we just have to focus on that. Sometimes you only see for clicks, you know, the headlines that just make you just be like, what is happening? But, um, yeah, we just are trying to celebrate the good. Absolutely. And that is what we just did today. Kelly, thank you so much again for sharing your story and your book with mm-hmm. the world. Uh, I look forward to following your journey and uh, just sharing it with the, with the audience. Thank you. Thank you, Liz. It's an honor. You have been listening to the Motherhood Unstressed podcast. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast.